So today we um, are, are doing something a little bit different for us. We have a one-off independent message. Normally, I like to speak in series, and as you know, we work our way through a, a book of the Bible or uh, different topics. Um, so today we have a standalone message. Um, and and this, uh, this message titled The Tragic Exchange um, is based on this, this scripture in Jeremiah. Um, and, and again, we're going to get into that, but th- this was a scripture that I read several months ago in my own devotions and personal Bible reading, and it was one of those passages that just stood out in my mind and in my heart, and, and it kind of, it, it, it kept coming up and kept, you know, God bringing it up in, in my mind, and, and just, just the thing that it, it, as I looked at the concepts that are presented in these verses, and, and I just like, you know what, I, I need to dive into this, and I need to preach this passage, and so, so today, um, again, uh, we're going to do that. We're going to be in Jeremiah. Uh, we're going to turn there in a moment, but uh, as, we, as we see again in the, in the book and, and the concept that this, this provides, the tragic exchange, I want to kind of think about this word exchange here for a moment. Okay, th- this is a word that we use in, in, our, in our culture quite a bit. There's lots of phrases that we use attached to this word exchange, but as we define an exchange, an exchange is trading one thing for something else. Okay, so we trade one thing for something else. Now, a, a lot of times, again, we, we think of an exchange, like I said, and we use it a lot of ways in our culture, when I think about an exchange student, right? Again, we exchange an American student to go learn in another country, and a student from that country comes to America and to learn. We, we exchange them, right? We, we trade one student for the other for their educational experience in a different country. Okay, also, we think about an, the exchange rate, Right? Meaning, again, if we want to exchange our American dollar into another currency for around the world, there is an exchange rate, meaning we, we trade our dollar for that currency and, and they convert it right, to those different amounts. Um, we also know, again, for our own money and currency within our culture, we know that about the New York Stock Exchange. Right, again, what is the purpose of Wall Street, right, and, and the, our, our financial realm, right, is we're trading, right? We're trading money for stocks or for bonds or for, to invest in businesses. And again, we know that, that at the center of the way our economy works is exchange, right? And again, we know that, right? Every time we go into a store, we exchange money for goods or for services, right? We, we trade money for something else. That's so when I think of an exchange in a store, I think about if I buy a shirt in the wrong size, I take it into the store and exchange it, right, for one that fits. Okay, so again, we know this idea of exchange. Now, you know, thinking about that is, and stores, and, and they do that, one of my, my favorite shows to watch on TV is Pawn Stars. And I don't know if you've seen this show, but literally this show is about people bringing very random things into this pawn shop in Las Vegas and wanting to exchange them for lots and lots of money. They, now, people bring in all kinds of weird things, and they, they, they come in, and they, they bring in this whatever it is, and they sit down, and, you know, Rick or the employees at the, at, the pawn, at the pawn shop look at it and be like, well, what do you want? And they, it's usually they say, well, I want $20,000, right? And then they typically look at that and like, well, I need to call in an expert and find out what it's really worth and, because they want a fair exchange, Right now, normally the way it goes is they bring in an expert and the person comes in asking $20,000, bring in the expert, they look at it and like, well, it's fake or it's not really what they say it is and it's really only worth 10 bucks. Right, like that, that's normally what happens on the show. Now, every once in a while, they'll come in and they'll ask and the expert will look at it and it's like, oh yeah, this is real and it's worth more than what they think it is, right? Or they're kind of right, right on, on, on. Now, um, several seasons ago, uh, one of the biggest exchanges, kind of shocking exchanges that happened in the show was centered around this item. 
on the show, this, this item is a white eagle medallion. Okay, this item was brought in to, to, the, to the pawn shop. There's a guy that's coming in, and again, Rick's looking at it. He's like, oh, it's really extravagant. It's, it's well made. He's like, I think it's worth a lot of money. And, but the guy came in like late at night. Okay, and so they were not able to call an expert to come in and evaluate it. And the guy, and he's like, can you come back tomorrow? And the guy's like, no, I just, I'm leaving on a trip. I just need the money. He's like, I, I'm just asking five grand for this medallion. And so, you know, Ricky's like, oh, I don't know. And it's a lot of money. And so, but Rick pays him five grand for this medallion. Okay, the guy leaves. Okay, the next day, this shows on the show, the next day the expert comes in, right, to evaluate it. And Rick's trying to decide, was this a good exchange or was this a, tra- a tragic exchange, right? Comes in, the expert comes in and looks at it and he's like, the expert sees it and says, do you have any idea what you have here? And he's like, well, no, that's why you're here, right? Like, and, and he comes in, he says, this is one of the most rare uh, war medals in all of history. He's like, and this, he's like, I have a friend who lives in this other four country that has been looking, he's got this collection of all these medals, he's been looking for this medal, and literally the expert offers and pays Rick $30,000 on the spot for this medallion. Okay, and first, and again, and he says, now I'm giving you $30,000 for it, and I'm going over to see my friend, and he's going to buy it for me for forty. Okay, now again, Rick looks at it and he's like, well, that's great, right? Like he makes a ton of money, right? And doesn't have to do anything. And so again, we look at some of those exchanges and some, some exchanges are just humdrum and they're just, we do them every day. We don't ever think about it. And some exchanges are shocking, right? Again, when we think about that exchange, that's pretty shocking, right? And, and we see that now, again, we, we make exchanges every day of our life, right? We trade something for something else. Okay, and when you think about one last exchange that we deal with every day, you think about the gift exchange. Right now, again, Christmas is coming. We know that's the most, you know, opportune time that we exchange gifts. And uh, to every year, we have our board of trustees and our staff, we get together for a Christmas party every year. Okay, and, they, and we've come over to my house, and one of the things we do at that Christmas party is we do a white elephant gift exchange, right? And sometimes, again, it's really fun. You know, some, some crazy things come, and some really cool things come. Uh, sometimes the exchanges we make in that gift exchange are a little bit shocking, right? Even one of the most shocking things I think has ever come out of that is when Ben was so excited about this pink wallet that he got in the gift exchange. And you can just see, the, see it on his face, right? He's excited about this exchange. And I don't know about you, but to me, this was shocking. Right, that he liked this exchange so much. Okay, but think, keep this idea of exchange, trading one thing for something else. Okay, keep this in your mind as we open up God's word and look at these verses this morning. Jeremiah chapter two, verses 11 through 13. If you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Jeremiah chapter two. If you don't have your own Bible or you don't have it with you, there are Bibles provided for you in the seat pockets, and love for you to grab one of those, and you'll notice on your outline in the bulletin is the page numbers of where you can find this passage in that Bible. So just uh, open with me to Jeremiah chapter 2, and I'm going to start reading at verse 11, where it says this, has any nation ever traded its gods for new ones, even though they are not gods at all? Yet my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. The heavens are shocked at such a thing and shrink back in horror and dismay, says the Lord. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Now, as we read these three verses, 
right, with this idea of exchange, like I said, there, this, this verse, these concepts that are presented in these three simple verses, like I said, stuck in my heart and my mind. I'm like, man, these are incredible. Okay, now, um, with that said, is, again, in Jeremiah, in the context, Jeremiah was a prophet. Okay, now, in, in pre-Jesus times, a prophet, their job was to hear messages from God and then deliver them to a nation or a certain group of people. Okay, now, again, we needed prophets in that time because this was before Jesus had died on the cross and rose again and before the Holy Spirit was poured out into every believer. And so God would speak through these anointed people. And so that's why we don't have prophets today because God speaks to us directly through the Holy Spirit. Right, the Holy Spirit lives in the heart of every believer. So, but they had prophets then, so they would get this message from God and they would give it. Now, Jeremiah was a prophet for the nation of Israel. Okay, and so he was speaking again to for God, right, to the nation of Israel. And this was the message again that God had for them. He says, again, the, the nations right have traded their gods. Okay, now in verse eleven, again, Jeremiah kind of gives us some foundational truths right, that come from God that we need to understand to get this message. Now, again, the message, right, as he lays it out, first off is that God gets us to, to understand and to realize that every nation has gods. Okay, every nation has gods. Now, and notice, again, that's in the very first phrase, right, of the verse. He says, uh, has any nation traded its God for new ones? And he's saying, again, every nation has them. Okay, so what is it? Now, again, here in the fill-in, and you know, it's all caps, but truthfully, this one, when you write it, I encourage you to write it with a lowercase g. Okay, because that's very important, and we're going to come to that here in a moment. But, okay, but every nation has gods, lowercase g. Okay, now, God, again, what is a god? What is, what is he saying? Right, but um, meaning that every nation, every person, every life, Right? Um, there's something that they give worth to in their life, that their life is focused on. Okay, now, again, we give different nations, even in our world today, right? Our nation, we have things that we give worth to, right, that are valuable in our nation. They're, when you look at other nations that have, give worth to different things, right, based on the, again, their, their history, their area of the world, kind of all those things. Again, we can look at, like, Middle Eastern countries, we know, puts a lot of worth on oil. Right now, again, America, we, we have our own gods, right, within our nation here. And we all have gods within ourselves because every nation has God. And, and I you know, so to say is like not just every nation, but every person has a God, right? Something that we give a high worth to. Right now, why is that true? Why is that a concept that, that is, is true, not just for nations, but even for us as individuals? Because we were created to worship and everybody worships something. Hey, we were created to worship and everybody worships something. Every nation is going to be focused and give worth to something. Hey, now, as again, when you think about this idea of worship, right, is, is I think to define what is worship, is we can divide it in our own minds as whatever we give worth to, we are worshiping. Hey, you can remember it by saying, when you think, hear the word worship, think worth-ship. Okay, what do I worship? What do I put on a pedestal in my life and in my mind and my heart? What is more important to me than anything else? That is what I worship. Okay, again, where does my time go? Where does my money go? Where does my effort and my thoughts and my heart go? That is what I put, give the most worth in my life, and therefore that is what I worship. Now, we were all created to worship something. God hardwired it in us when he created us. Right, we're all 
um, worship something. What do I give worth to? And then in the next phrase in the verse 11, right, he tells us that not all gods are actually God. Every nation has gods, lowercase g. And then he says, but, and they traded, right, the, the worship of God, the one true God, capital G God, for other gods or for idols, Okay, because not all gods are actually God. And again, we're all created to worship. We all worship something. But most nations and a lot, most people do, are not worshiping the one true God, which is who we were created to worship in the first place. Okay, and so again, if we, if we all worship something, but it it's, might not be the actual God because not all gods are God. Right, notice that's what he says in, in, in verse 11. He says, he says they, they, they worship them even though they are not gods at all. Right, yet my people have exchanged their glorious God, capital G, for worthless idols. Right, because not all gods are actually God. We, again, we tend to give things in our life more influence or more worth than they deserve. Right, because God, the one true God, the Alpha, the Omega, the God of the Bible is the only God that is worthy of our worship. Right, he is the only thing we, were, we should worship because he has the most worth. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one true God of all creation. Right, and, and yet, not all gods, in fact, anything other than him is not God. And then when we realize, right, that we, if we give too much worth anything, we give more worth to anything other than him, then we are worshiping that instead of him, right? And we have made this tragic exchange that he calls Israel out through Jeremiah about making. Right? He says they have made this exchange, right? And, and when we, again, we make exchanges every day, but yet we don't always think about what am I really worshiping with my life? And am I making an exchange that, that I don't want to ever make? Right? As a believer in Jesus, as a follower of God, I don't want to ever put anything more worth in my life than him. Right? And yet, we make these exchanges. And, and as he speaks through Jeremiah, he's telling Israel, like, you have made this exchange. Right? And we can learn again from, from their tragic exchange. Right? Because we have no idea how tragic our exchanges might be. Right? Sometimes, again, we make it unwillingly. We don't, we don't consciously make that change, but we just kind of drift in that way, and our sinful nature naturally pushes us towards anything other than God. Right? And yet, we don't have no idea how tragic those exchanges really are. Again, the phrase right, that Jeremiah uses here, right? he says, uh, my people exchange their glorious God for worthless idols. Again, what is he comparing? He's comparing God's glory that is, that is incomparable. God is, is the most glorious God, I mean, ever, right? He's God. And yet we exchange that glory for worthless idols. Again, he literally calls out, they're worthless. They're not worth anything. They are not worthy of your worship, right? And yet we give them worth that they don't deserve, right? Whatever those gods might be, right? We have no idea how tragic our exchanges might really be because God is the only thing worthy of our worship, right? And everything else, any other idol is worthless. 
It's exactly what he says. Now, one of the things, the interesting things we see through a prophet is, is we get this picture, this bigger picture from prophet and from, through this prophet from God that we cannot see ourselves. And this is the verse, again, that just really stuck out to me so much when I first read it, was verse 12. Okay, again, verse 12 says, The heavens are shocked at such a thing and shrink back in horror and dismay, says the Lord. Again, is that, that, I don't know about you, but that does not sit right with me. Right, that my actions, right, the actions of Israel in the context of this prophecy, and therefore coming down to the actions of my own life and my own faith, that I could do something that would shock the heavens. Right? They would look at this exchange and be like, are you kidding me? Why would you ever do that? Right? But yet the heavens, in realizing that the heavenly perspective is different than ours. Right? Again, we don't necessarily knowingly make this exchange, but yet the, the heavens, the angels in the heavens are sitting back going like, how on earth would you ever make that exchange? God is glorious and you've exchanged him in your life for something that is completely worthless. Right? It's, it's tragic. In fact, so much that, like I said, it, they, they pull back in, in shock and in horror and dismay right? how, at how horrible of an exchange that really is. But the heavenly perspective is different than mine. In fact, this is a concept that, that is taught all throughout Scripture. In fact, we're, we're taught as followers of Jesus to trust in his perspective more than ours. Okay, in Proverbs 3, uh, 5 through 7, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, but do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Again, the... This, this proverb is telling us, like, you can't trust in yourself. Trust in God's perspective. God's plan is bigger than yours. He can see things you cannot see. Right? And, and trust in his wisdom, not in myself. Right? Because my perspective is limited. But I can only see what's right in front of me. And again, I, I, he's back, right? the proverb says, don't trust in your own wisdom. Right? Don't even think about yourself higher. Think about God and his wisdom and trust his perspective. And yet when we see this picture in scripture that says the heavens, again, in their perspective, look back and say, this is the most horrible, tragic exchange you could ever make in all eternity, is to trade a glorious God for something that's worthless. Right? Do we trust in God and in his wisdom in the picture that he sees, or do we trust in our own understanding and our own view? Right? And as, as we again, see this and realize, again, that we have no idea how tragic our exchanges might actually be, we have to trust in God to show us, you know, what exchanges am I making, right? What is the better thing to do? And then we get, again, and this is, again, kind of a depressing prophecy, right? And, and coming to, to realize that, like, that I've made these, these exchanges in my life and, and that, but then we get to verse 13. Okay, and verse 13, again, is where he gives us Two things that literally will change everything. Okay, from this perspective, from God's perspective, right, saying if you get this concept, it will change everything. Okay, the first thing that is described, okay, in, in verse 13, okay, is a fountain. 
And literally, a fountain can change everything. Now, when you think about this, think about a fountain. What is a fountain? A fountain, right, is um, there's water in the fountain, right? And again, when you think about a fountain, right, is a fountain has to overflow in order to be a fountain. If it doesn't overflow, then it's just a bowl. Right, a fountain is not a fountain at all if it doesn't overflow. Okay, which means it needs, again, a source of water that continues to, to bubble up and, and overflow, right, to down, and it creates a cycle within a fountain that, that makes it a fountain. Okay, and I mean, when we think about, again, how can a fountain change everything? Well, look at what he says in verse 13. He says, for my people have done two evil things. Number one is they have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. Okay, this isn't just any fountain. This is a fountain of living water. Again, he says, when you think about this fountain, this fountain that bubbles up, that overflows, that, that again, that pours out, you know, over itself. And again, when we think about that fountain, right, what is the source of the water in that fountain? Right, as he just says right here, right, what the fountain of living water, we've been exchanged that, right? What is the fountain? It is him, right? The source of the water in the fountain is Jesus, Hey, and, and again, if we get more of Jesus, so much of Jesus in our life that he, cut, that he overflows, right, and, and pours out of our life. In fact, this, when you think about this concept of Jesus as the water within this fountain that will change everything, right, we go forward to the New Testament when Jesus is interacting with a Samaritan woman at a well, right, and he's looking at physical water, right, and then he makes this statement in John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. What Jesus says, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. So the source of water, of, of living water, is Jesus himself. Right? And he literally tells this woman, he's, as he's holding a bucket of water, he says, hey, this water, you can drink this water, you'll be thirsty again. But if you drink from me, from this fountain of living water, you will never be thirsty again. Right? And this living water, the more you drink of me, the more it will overflow in your life. And the more of the love and, and the, the joy of who God is will overflow coming out of you right? and, and splashing everybody else. Right? Because notice, right, he says it will bubble up, a bubbling spring, right, is giving giving eternal life, right? This is a fountain that's overflowing with the love of God, right? Again, what's the result, right, of the fountain? Why does it change everything? Well, the result is eternal life. I mean, that's what Jesus tells us, right? If, if we drink of the living water, if we, we move to him, right, then that's how we, we join the journey, right? If we accept Jesus into our life and, and we receive this water that will fill us in a way we've never been filled before, Right, and that's exactly what he means by you'll never, you'll never be thirsty again because we were all created to worship. And if we don't worship God, if we make this exchange for, for anything else other than God, then we feel empty. Right, and we spend lots of time trying to fill that emptiness. But yet, again, Jesus says, I will fill it, not just fill it, but fill it to overflowing. It will bubble over. It will become a fountain in your life. Right? And we start by joining the journey, receiving our gift of grace, but then we continue to journey in our faith as, as we get on that path that is focused on Jesus. 
Right, again, that's why we say at Oregon Trail that the, the destination of our journey is Jesus Christ. Because that is where our path will go. And the more we learn of him, the more water we get in our life. Right, and after we receive him as our savior, then we start this journey of faith that takes us closer to Jesus tomorrow than we are today. Right, and that is how the water bubbles up in our life, right? As we learn more and more about him, we get closer to him with every step. Every time we drink, we get closer and we get more filled up. Right, and so this was the first thing, right, that changes everything. But then the last part, right, he says, what's the other thing? The other thing that changes everything is a cracked cistern. Now, you might be like me, and I has no idea about irrigation or farming or water or anything like that, but if that's you, then I'll, I'll tell you what a cistern is. Okay, a cistern is a water tank that is, that is dug into the ground. Okay, now again, a water tank, what is it supposed to do? It's supposed to hold water. Right, and store it for whatever, for its need. Okay, now, but the problem with this cistern is that it doesn't do what the one thing it was designed to do because this cistern is cracked. Okay, which means when it gets filled with water, the water doesn't stay, it doesn't hold water, it leaks out the bottom. Okay, now when water leaks out of a, of a crack in a cistern, right, that is buried in the ground, what is it gonna do when that water leaks out? Right, is it erodes away all the dirt and the land that's, that's holding it in the cistern. So every time it's filled, it leaks out and erodes away everything around it. And so the, the cistern gets weaker every time it's filled. Which means it will leak faster every time it's filled. And so we see now, unlike a fountain, right, is the cistern, you have to, especially when it's cracked, you have to keep filling it. And it just keeps getting bigger and worse and leaks faster and gets more and more empty. They, and again, he says, right, the first thing is we haven't gone to the fountain, right? So we've abandoned the fountain, but then we dig for ourselves these cracked cisterns that hold no water at all. Hey, and when we think, again, the fountain bubbles over and life to overflowing, the cistern is always empty, right? It's exactly the opposite. And what is the source of the water in the cistern? Well, the source of the water is ourself, right? We do anything we can do if we're not Worshiping God, whatever else we're worshiping, wherever we're giving worth, like we do anything we can to try and fill that void within our own heart that was created for God. Right? And when we feel empty, we turn to ourselves, we turn to our own selfish, sinful desires. Right? Again, what, what is that water that we try and fill in the sister? We, we all know the list. Right? It's, it's the, the big things we know, right? It's alcohol, it's drugs, it's it's lust, it's greed, it's, it's you know, uh, materialism, it's all these things, right? Like, we know that list, and it's easy, you know, to we look at that list, we know that list, and it's easy to, to see that list in everybody else, right? But yet, what is the real source of that water as we try to fill it? It's, it's ourself. Again, our own sinful nature, and we turn to those things, and again, sometimes it's easy to be like, oh, I don't have any broken cisterns in my life, I don't do drugs, Right, I, but yet yeah, we do. I mean, we turn if we turn to anything other than God to fill our life, if we give it worth more than God, then that is a cistern in our life. Right, and that is an exchange that we have made. Right, but we turn to anything we can for for fulfillment. And yet, what happens when we do that? Right, we give in to that temptation or to that addiction or whatever it is, and we we fill ourselves. It fills us for a moment. Right? We feel good for a moment, but then it just leaks out the bottom. And when it leaks out, it erodes away at our soul every time it does. 
right? Which means it stays, you know, full of water less time every time we go back to that broken cistern, every time we go back to that addiction or to that, that sinful attitude or whatever it would be, and it just continues to erode away at our soul, right? Until eventually we decide, and again, it holds nothing, it holds no water at all because it just leaks out instantly, right? And we wonder, right, how did we get there? Right, because we keep turning to ourselves for something that God was designed to do in our life. Again, we see in Jeremiah 17:9, again, later in the book, as he continues on this prophecy, he talks about in Jeremiah 17:9, he says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Again, he's telling us, he's like, you can't turn to yourself to find this fulfillment. It won't work. Again, we look at this verse, right? Human heart, most deceitful of all things, desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? This is not one of those verses that you like frame and put up in your house. Right? It's not, but like, again, we don't see it posted on Facebook and there's not all kinds of Pinterest things about this verse, but yet maybe there should be. Right? Because how true is this verse, right? Every time we go back to those things that we turn to ourselves when it's supposed to be God, we make that tragic exchange. Right? He's saying you cannot trust your own heart because your heart is sinful. Right? And yet when we look at what is, again, the result, every time we turn to that, the result is emptiness. Because every time we turn to it, we get emptier than we were the last time. Right? Because it just leaks out and it erodes away our soul every time it does. Right? And God is, is pleading to Israel and to us of saying, don't make that exchange. I can see more than you can see. Trust my wisdom. Only worship me. Right? Stop this cycle. Right? Don't continue to go back to the broken cistern that you've been turning to for sometimes years. Right? Have you ever exchanged the fountain for a broken cistern? Right? And that's a hard question, but one that we all know the answer to. Right? Yes, I have. And as we think about that, and more following up to that is saying, how many times have I made that exchange? Are you still doing it? Right? And will you let God, the fountain of living water, and that cycle. Right? Because the key is to loving God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all your strength to only worship him. Right? And when he is the only thing we give worth, the most worth of everything in our life, when we worship Christ, the God, the only thing worthy of our worship, then we get filled with water that doesn't leak out the bottom. In fact, it overflows over the top. Right, and how many times have we made that exchange? Right, and so again, if we, we all, we all want to end that cycle. We don't want to make that exchange ever, ever, any, ever again. Right, so how do I make a wise exchange? Right, how do I move from those old patterns that, you know, to grow in my faith journey forward to where I don't go back to that same broken cistern? Right, how do I make a wise exchange? Because, again, an exchange is trading one thing for something else. Right? And I, I want to take that even a step further right now is to say, 
is with every yes comes an automatic no to something else. Okay, every yes means an automatic no to something else. So if I say yes to a broken cistern, it's an automatic no to the fountain of living water. Right, and if I say yes to the fountain of living water, it's an automatic no to go back to that broken cistern. Right, but I have to constantly make that choice. Right, with every decision, with every exchange, I need to step back and say, wait a minute, God's perspective is bigger than mine. Right, and and I, I can't trust my own heart because it's going to take me down a path that I don't want to be on. Right, and, and before I make this exchange, I need to seek the Lord's wisdom. Right, and to say, what path is this going to send me down if I make this exchange? If I say yes to this, what automatic no is going to be in my life? Right, if I say no, what is the automatic yes that's going to come as a result? Right, I need to make a wise exchange. Okay, now Jesus, as he was telling the story in John 10.10, 10, okay, he, he gives us a standard to, to step back for a moment before we make, and to decide how to wisely make an exchange in our life. Okay, he says this in John 10.10. 10. Jesus says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Okay, now when we see this, again, Jesus speaking, Jesus' purpose, God's purpose in your life is to give you a rich and satisfying life. Right? That is the description of a life that is full and overflowing with God's love. Living water, bubbling over. Right now, again, if, if, if I make this exchange, if I say yes to this, then what am I saying no to? Right, or if I say no to this, what am I saying yes to? Right, if I make this exchange, is it going to put me on the path down towards steal, kill, and destroy? Or is it going to put me on the path towards rich and abundant life in Jesus Christ? Is it going to take me closer to Christ in my journey if I make this exchange? Or is it going to pull me further away? Right, think about that choice. Think about that exchange. Not just in, in the moment, but think about a day later, a week later, Years later, where is this exchange going to take me in the future? Right? Is, is, is it going to take me closer to Christ? Is my destination still Christ if I make this choice? Or is it not? Because, and we ask and seek God for that and say, God, show me how, how to make the right exchange. Right? And to make the right choice. Because that's how we truly end the cycle of broken cisterns in our life. Because, again, we can bring our broken cisterns to the foot of the cross, right? And even though the cistern's already cracked, right, by the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, he wants to break that cistern so that we never go back to it again. Right, and with that thought in mind, again, this tragic exchange, right, that God is pleading us, don't continue to make this exchange, it right, leads me to my final thought this morning, and that is this. Everyone worships something. If your journey is focused on Jesus Christ, then you will be filled with living water. So are you pursuing a fountain or a cracked cistern? Now again, as we're faced with that choice this morning, my hope right, is that you are already tapped into the living water and the fountain of Jesus. Right, if you're not, then I hope today, again, all you have to do is pray, 
confess to, to Christ that you've been trying to fill your life with anything other than him, right, and just pray and ask him to forgive that, to fill you with his spirit, to forgive your sins, and to start you on a new journey towards him, right? And that's how you join the journey today. You can be a follower of Jesus today, right, and leaving, again, breaking those cisterns at the foot of the cross, right, and saying, I'm not going to go there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose you. Now, even if you've received Christ as your Savior and you're on that journey, again, it's an ongoing fight, right, is that God continues to show us new cisterns that we got to break, right? And that's as we could journey closer to him, he'll start showing us new things, right, and saying, hey, here's an exchange you had no idea you were making. It's time to end that cycle. Again, I don't know where your journey's at with Christ today, but I hope that you will receive him as your Savior if you've never done that, right? And even if you have, if, if you need to break some cisterns and leave them at the foot of the cross today, I hope you'll do that, right? Again, it's the power of Jesus that breaks them, not ourselves, right? We got to turn to the source of living water, to Jesus, not ourselves. I hope you'll do that today. Lord God, that is our prayer this morning, God, that you would lead us to the foot of your cross, God, that we would lay ourselves down. God, in any cracked cisterns, God, that we're holding on to, God, that we would lay at the foot of your cross, God, for you to break once and for all. And God, I pray, God, that your love as it was poured out on that cross, God, would be poured out into our lives. God, and that it would do as exactly as your word describes, that it would bubble over in our life into a huge fountain. God, a fountain that not just fills us, God, but that splashes your love around everywhere we go. And God, I pray, Lord, that as we continue to pursue our own journey this, this next week, God, and, and get closer to you than we were today, God, I pray that your love would spill out everywhere we go. God, that others would see you in us. God, and that they too would be prompted, God, to, to give away their cisterns, God, and turn to you. God, use our lives, God, as they spill out your love and your presence. God, as we live that abundant and full life that you promised, God, that you would help others, God, to see the exchange they're making. God, use us this week as we go. We love you. We praise you. Guide us. In Jesus' name, amen.